Hurts lofts it for Smith. It's a touchdown. Devontae Smith. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Saturday Air Raid, the very first edition, and I'm very excited to talk some NFL with my two co-hosts today. We've got Brad Bolt, we've got Dan O'Connell here, the beard. Very excited to have you here and talk some NFL in the offseason. How is it, guys? Going good, mate. How are you? Still doing well. Dan? Mate, I'm so excited for this. It's been a long time coming now, and... We're finally getting it going, finally getting to sit down and have a chat and have some fun. When was the last time you had a chance to talk this kind of uh, NFL in this kind of context? Uh, the NFL draft with you boys, obviously. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> before that, it would have been a couple of guest spots on pods last year. So that would have been last time. So, yeah. Too long, between, too long between drinks. And Brad, I know that your last uh, encounters, you know, like not the same sort of um, esteemed level as Dan and I, but pretty pretty well known in the podcasting community, perhaps. A couple, a couple of names. I'm not sure if anyone's heard of Field Yates or Danny Heifetz. Um, they were, they were no. the last two um, guests, but peeking behind the curtain on that, that I feel I require them to say I and... Uh, the cast with Field Yates was about 10 o'clock my time. And then the one with Danny Heifetz ended up being at 2 a.m. on Good Friday. <laughs> you do what you have and, to do. Yeah, and I was on with both of them at different times, recorded them, and then went to myself, right, I'm going to get an hour and a half, two hours sleep in between podcasts, and then couldn't actually sleep. So I ended up sitting up the entire time. So oh, <laughs> just like the just like during the season. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> All right. Pretty much. So this is the Saturday Air Raid. So the idea of this show, I wanted to um, introduce a format that sort of bridges the gap between college football show and an NFL show. So I kind of want to specifically focus on uh, college players who are like juniors and seniors who are making their uh, move or next steps to go into the NFL and then players on the rookie contracts in the NFL. And I've sort of been umming and ahhing about what that kind of means because it gets kind of confusing, right? Because you look at Jalen Hurts. Well, he's just signed a new contract. He's not on his rookie deal anymore. However, in that same draft year, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Tua, they have not signed their new contracts yet because they're all part of the fifth-year option. So it gets kind of murky, but I just decided to go with it. Um, there's no pressure. If Look, if we talk about Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, we talk about them. That's absolutely fine. It's going to happen. Um, but I wanted to create this show uh, to mainly focus on dynasty fantasy leagues and talk a bit of uh, real NFL football as well, but also help teams that are sort of in that um, non-compete sort of year that they're trying to rebuild. I know from personal experience uh, in my dynasty league that I commission, there's a number of teams who just year in and year out, they sit in that sort of bottom six to eight teams in the league and they never really make that next step. And it's, I think it's more sort of about self-awareness more than anything else. So hopefully this show will help people with that and get you thinking a few years ahead. How does that sound? Sounds like yeah, a bloody like good it. idea to me. I like it. I like the idea of of helping the other people other people with their league because a lot of whether whether you're a casual player or you're a you're a diehard fantasy football player, just taking a peek behind the curtain and using some of these extra stats extra just little tidbits of information week to week sort of thing can give you that advantage to give you that drop on whether it be a wave of pickup a trade or things like that so i like that idea that we can try and help people moving forward and give them some of the young up-and-coming people that they you know because they're, they're be not as well known at the moment but a couple of weeks time a couple of months into the season you'll be so glad that you've pulled them pulled them from the waivers or pulled them from another team and you are sitting pretty a la Justin Jefferson in his rookie season. <laughs> and I think a lot of the times you can sit there and when it's not your team, you can take a step back and look at things completely differently. And you can see someone on someone else's team that you won't be able to see in your team. And That's so it. You can, give people, you can give people the advice without 
overthinking it, overanalyzing it like you do. Like I know I do it for my teams. I'll overanalyze way too much a lot of the time. But if I'm giving other people advice, it's straight off the bat, I know what I want to do or want to tell them. And it's a whole lot easier for me telling other people what I think of their team and how I think they should go about it. 100%. I was thinking about it today. Like, think about uh, teams in the AFC. If you, if those teams want to make the Super Bowl and compete in a Super Bowl, they've basically got to go through Kansas City to do that and go through those sort of top-tier teams. So they need to have the self-awareness enough to say, "I'm we're in a position where we can do that. And I often feel like dynasty leagues are the same, but people don't really think about it this way, or at least some people that I play with where they don't sort of think about it in terms of like, if I want to make the championships or if I want to be one of these great teams, I've got to go through these top tier teams who are year in and year out up the top there. Um, a lot of the time they might play the first sort of three or four weeks and then they go, you know what, I'm off to a bad start. I don't see this happening. This probably isn't my year. I'm going to drop off. But because they're not a tanking or a rebuilding team, they're already in the sort of middle tier kind of, I call it the Atlanta Falcons uh, realm of just never bad enough to, to have that top pick and never good enough to make the playoffs or go deep into the playoffs, I should say. Shots fired already. We're only five <laughs> minutes into the show and the Falcons uh, Twitter's <laughs> going to be coming for me. But um, yeah, so hopefully this sort of helps people think a few years in advance how to get there. I had a question for you guys straight off the bat, just to get you thinking and sort of set the scene, set the tone for how the show's going to go. Okay, so in a dynasty league, who are you guys taking? Are you taking Cooper Cup or Drake London? Brad. Cooper Cup. Dan. See, I think it's still Cooper Cup as well. I'm taking Drake London. So this is exactly the kind of conversation that I wanted to spur on is where do we sit on the spectrum? Because in my mind, you can play redraft in a dynasty league. And obviously you can't play dynasty in a redraft league. But in a dynasty league, you've got sort of six to maybe eight to 10 teams that are all going for it each year. So they're, they're essentially playing a redraft sort of game. And then you've got the back end of the teams. You've got sort of like the two to four to six who have the awareness to think, okay, this is not my year. I'm not going to compete. I'm not going to go for it. So who are they taking? They're probably taking like, what, what good is Cooper cup to them? See, I, I, I get what you say. My, I, I look at, dynasty and maybe this sometimes can be my downfall but i look at it in a spectrum of okay if this was a real team how would i build out my roster and what are the reasonings behind it now the reason why i have a cooper cup over a drake london is i really like drake london i like what he his potential is i liked him coming out of the draft i don't like his quarterback and his run heavy scheme that's Arthur fair Smith, Arthur Smith, we know, we saw obviously when he was OC in um, Tennessee, a lot of run-heavy drafting of um, B. John Robinson. You've got Cordell Patterson, Tyler Algier, who had a good year. You've got Kyle Pitts, Drake Lennon as well. I This this particular year, I'm more a Cooper Cup because he's got a Matthew Stafford play, uh, throwing him the ball. And granted, I know that he was injured last year, Matthew Stafford, but my thought process behind it was okay after cooper cup who's next there's no one really there's no one that's re- you're you're sitting there going oh, i desperately want him drake london like i said Bijan, uh, mm. kyle pitts Cordell patterson yeah. so I, I think at the end of the day though it comes down to the quarterback for me i don't trust desmond ritter yet i have to see it i haven't seen it yet he's granted he hasn't played very much but He's my reasoning why. But then again, this may also lead into further down the track. I'm contradicting myself and speaking out of both sides of my mouth here, but we'll get well, to that a little bit later. Brad, I love what you said there, that you know Matthew Stafford and you were talking about how you know what you're going to get from Matthew Stafford this year because that's the perfect kind of redraft sort of answer here. So mm. maybe to someone who is playing in a team that's rebuilding, the what, what Matthew Stafford's going to give them this year, it's kind of uh, useless to them. Let me, let me put it to you this way. What about, instead of Drake London, what about Garrett Wilson? Cooper Cup or Garrett Wilson? Cooper Cup. Still Cooper Cup, all right. Mm-hmm. Dan. Garrett, Garrett Wilson's going to come back up in, in my... In, in our <laughs> okay, cool. Later, so. Cool, cool. <laughs> Okay, so from my point of view, you look at where you're going to draft Cooper Cup and you look at where you're going to draft Drake London. I think you can get a player with similar upside to London 
and similar point scoring for this year and next year and so on. Uh, the same point where you draft London or even later than where you're getting him. The issue with London, like Brad said, quarterback, we don't know what's happening there. Is Desmond Ridley going to be the guy for the future? Is he going to be able to support enough of a passing attack where London's scoring well enough that you're going to take him as high as you are? Whereas with Cooper Cup, yeah, he's only got, what, four years left maybe? How old is he? I don't think he's... Is he 30 yet? I think he's on the borderline of being 30. He is. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So I know he's had a couple of injuries, but you look at the way he plays and you look at the number of his numbers that he puts up, you're going to get at least three more solid, like really solid years out of him from what I think. Whereas you look at Drake London, we don't know if we're going to get three really solid years out of him because of the situation that Atlanta have, where they run heavy. They don't have the quarterback that I think is going to be able to support that. So from my point of view, I'm going to take Cooper Cup because I know what he's going to give me. And then I can build my roster around that and build young around Cooper Cup as well with players that are going to score Probably outscore Drake London. What about Gary Wilson? Oh, he's so tough for me because yeah, he's he's going to start going super high in drafts. And I really like him as well. And we've seen the numbers he can put up in that offense with poor quarterback play. The question is, what Aaron Rodgers is he going to get? And yeah. for how many years? Like, I'm a Packers fan, so I know what Rodgers can do. And watching him last year, he wasn't playing well. And there was a number of reasons for that. He's still going to be able to support a really good scoring wide receiver, which Garrett Wilson will be. But if we get the Rodgers that I think we're going to get, and that's scorched earth Rodgers, he's got massive chip on his shoulder. And we know the sort of play that he can put up when he's feeling that way. I think Garrett Wilson is an awful lot closer to Cooper Cup than what Drake London is. 100%. And that uh, would reflect in my dynasty rankings as well at wide receiver. I've got Garrett Wilson at number six uh, in wide receiver. And then I've got Drake London at 10 and a few people in between. I've got Chris Olave at nine in there as well. But it's just, I just wanted to put it out there to you guys just to try and get that perspective of, you know, and that's a really good point because some, that's how a lot of people play dynasty is they think like, okay, so we don't know about Matthew Stafford, but we know that Cooper Cup has still got at least another sort of one, two, three seasons left. And most people play in that sort of two to three year uh, window, that that range, which is kind of what we're looking for as well when we do this as well. Yeah. So, yeah, go, Brad. No, no, no. I was going to say the only other thing, the reason why I would pick Cooper Cup is Sean McVay is still the coach. Mm. Now, yes, the Rams have sold off parts this offseason, trading Jalen Ramsey, letting some of their guys go, Leonard Floyd, etc but they're still decent enough to keep Sean McVay around because Sean McVay was mulling retirement. He's coming back. So they're not going to bottom out. Even if Stafford plays this year, retires at the end of the year, if the Rams want to keep Sean McVay around, they will need to get a quarterback of a decent standard and quality into the, onto the team to keep Sean McVay from retiring. And the Rams seem as, I guess, insistent on having McVay around as they possibly can. So to mm-hmm. me, it's sort of you go, okay, yeah, Stafford plays this year, he retires at the end of the year. But what we could see happen is, uh, and I've said it to Dan and things like that, that what happens if the Cardinals bottom out, they end up with the number one pick in the draft next year, they go to try and draft a guy like Caleb Williams and they've put Kyler Murray on the chopping block to trade. The Rams seem like the perfect sort of a, a team who, as we all know with the Rams, F them picks. Yeah. <laughs> that's that sort of, that, that the Rams seem like a team that would be more than willing to jump on something like that to keep a guy like Sean McVay around, to keep him interested so he can create the scorched earth offense with Kyler Murray at quarterback. I love where you're going with that. I'm not opposed to that at all. And, I, you know, the, the Rams play football very similar to the way I played dynasty uh, fantasy football in the F them picks. Uh, no, not F them picks. I love my picks. I will, but I will give up anything to get the guys that I want. They might not even be particularly good players, but if I want them, I will give up anything to go get them. Yeah. I'll just do one more for you before we get into the actual episode. I was just thinking about it and it could, it could set the uh, tone nicely here. Okay. Jerry Judy or Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
JSN. Dan, no context? Yeah. I'm JSN as well. I I know Russell Wilson had his worst year of his career last year. And with Sean Payton coming in now, I can't imagine Wilson's going to be that bad again. And we saw Jerry Judy play played fairly well when Russell Wilson played well. Not often, but when they were both playing well, Judy put up decent numbers. But I think JSN's more talented from a fantasy perspective, the way he's going to be able to rack up numbers and receptions. And you look at Metcalf and you look at Tyler Lockett there in his way, I think JSN, he just has to bide his time for this year. And then I think he'll start to overtake Lockett when they move forward. And I think JSN is going to be the one that chews up the targets, I believe. Whereas I don't think Judy's going to be that massive target monster. I love what you said there, fantasy talent. I feel like um, Austin Eckler would be someone who's fantasy talented. Or um, Stefan Diggs with the Bills, who's been making headlines because he wants the ball more, not less. They're, they're, they're fantasy talented. Yeah. JSN is talented, but yeah, from a fantasy point of view, he's the sort of player you want. Yeah. The only other thing I think is, are we actually certain that Jerry Judy will be on the Broncos next season? Oh, don't because say that. That's going to ruin my uh, receivers for the segment. <laughs> but the only the only reason I say that is, yeah, he Jerry Judy's shown flashes. He hasn't been able to, uh, I guess, string it consistently through together. He's had a few injuries. But is he the type of receiver who's going to work with what Sean Payton wants? I know there was mm. talk that, you know, Cortland yeah. Sutton Cortland Sutton might be the odd man out um, in the Broncos receiver uh, room, so to speak. But they did trade up to get Marvin Mims. So does that does that mean that Jerry Judy's on the way out as well? Yeah, with their I can't, first pick of the I draft. Yeah, and I can't I can't guarantee that Jerry Judy will be on the Broncos. So therefore, I can't pick Jerry Judy. That's I a great. Think the, I think they've had the chance to move him on though, if they wanted to. I think teams have come calling for him. If they wanted to move him on, they could have. But previous regime, yes. Remember, this is Sean Payton, who will have a lot more say over the roster than what Nathaniel Hackett did. True. Portland Sutton uh, cap number for this season: eighteen million. Uh, Tim Patrick: eleven million for the season. Uh, Jerry Judy, $4.8 million. So not a huge uh, cost to have Jerry Judy on. And then I think that they can pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah, he's same draft as Joe Burrow. He went. Uh, he was a second second receiver off the board after Henry Ruggs. Yeah, picked that draft. 15, I think it was. Yeah, mm. followed by C.D. Jefferson. Oh, sorry, Rager Jefferson. Man, what a what a time to be alive. <laughs> It was Jackson yep. Smith in the Jigba for in Jigba for me as well, uh, but I I have them back to back in my rings. I've got uh, Smith and Jigba at thirteen, and then Judy at fourteen, and then at fifteen I got Jordan Addison. But the my thoughts were in the similar line to what you were saying, Dan. That I think the Broncos are going to bounce back. I think they're going to have a much better season this year. I think if anything, like I know Tim Patrick was sitting next to Russell Wilson and hanging with Sean Payton at the uh, Nuggets games, but I just, I, that's a lot of money for, to pay Tim Patrick, who's an extremely talented receiver. But when you can, like we were talking about, they went out and they got um, Marvin Mims. They got Jerry Judy on, on like these affordable contracts and they're not in a huge position. I mean, I know they do splash out a lot of money, but um, I think that they're probably going to go with the younger, more talented, not so more affordable options there. I just think with Tim Patrick actually suits what Sean Payton wants to do a lot better yeah. than what Cortland Sutton will. So that's why I think Sutton might be first man out the door, possibly. Yeah. Uh, but then I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Judy is also on his way out because just remember, he's not the last regime's guy. He was the regime before the last regime's guy. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, Sean Payton wants, will want to bring in his own guys. And like we said, we saw that by trading up for Marvin Mims you know, talking about using Greg Dulcich as his Taysom Hill. You know, he's looking to recreate his New Orleans Saints teams that were so successful. So if that means moving Jerry Judy out, Cortland Sutton out, it's going to start happening. So that's that's my thought process behind JSN over. I'm here for it. While we're talking about Marvin Mims, what are our initial thoughts on him? I mean, we've, I guess we've pretty much just spelled it out, really, that we really like him and that Sean Payton went and got him. 
do you think that he's sort of going to pave the way to be maybe one of these sort of uh, upper tier receivers to maybe to start with or to watch for a season to see how it goes? Hard to say at this time. I, I think it's a bit hard to say at this time. I think he will be probably their starting slot receiver. Uh, and Judy will be, I guess, more so the move guy who you'll see on the, you know, the the jet sweeps types of things and the motion guy a lot of the times. But without without actually sort of seeing what their thought process is. And yeah, it's 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 a little bit hard to say at this time. I would expect him to be one of those guys who if you're looking for your fantasy uh like fantasy teams you're probably looking here more of a taxi squad stash maybe a flex receiver type of yeah guy. Depth, depth base yeah, yeah yeah he's that guy that you might have to chuck into your your lineup when you've got a bye week and three quarters of your team's out and you're just looking for for anyone to put up anything that's better than a zero. He sort of seems like that for this first season until we see as well how the new offense worked, how Russell Wilson is, et cetera, et cetera. Perfect. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, because I go. Oh, no, I was just saying Marvin Mims is super talented, so I don't yeah. think it's going to be all that long before he's starting to take a massive chunk of that target share as well. But like Brad said, I think you stash him on your taxi to start the season and then – you keep track of how he's going and then if you need to put him up into the main roster, you do to plug and play at some point if you'd need to. But for that first year, like I said, they've got Judy, they've got Patrick, they've got Sutton still. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. I don't think he's going to give you too much fantasy value in his first season. But like Brad said as well, if they move on Sutton, even if Judy gets moved on, Mims is going to step into a big role. So I know that I said that we were going to go fairly Fairly easy on this uh, first show and settle into it nicely. Although I did task you, but I, I thought that this would be a nice get to know your get to know your hosts kind of uh, activity to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to do quickly. Well, we're already like halfway through the show, so we'll see how we go with the, the latter of it. But what we're going to do is take a look at a few guys in dynasty formats that we feel like we're higher on at each position, and if we have time at this stage. We might have to save it for next week, but if we have time, we'll go through a few guys that were a bit lower on and then guys who were targeting a bit further down the line. And straight off the bat, we were talking about it over Twitter last night, which I was super happy about. Brad and Nate. Nate, if you're listening, Brad, I had I, I was worried that you might have this moment of, of uh, oh God, what have I done? Because the guy that I feel like I'm higher on than uh, most other people and that we were talking about last night, where has he gone for my rankings? It's Clayton Tune of the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> yes, I am talking about it. Look at Brad <laughs> in dismay. <laughs> the reaction's priceless. But here's, okay, here's, I just want to... Um, Lay a little bit of a foundation. I'm not going to spend too much time on it because, you know, he, he he's he's not going to be, he's more than likely not going to be the next Brock Purdy. However, having said that, <laughs> there is a par forward for him that I can see. And then I went and started scouring around a little bit on Twitter, doing a bit of digging, digging and there is a, few, a bit of a buzz starting to develop with Clayton Tune. The reason it's happening is obviously Kyler injured. Cole McCoy also dealing with injury at the moment. So he's had this opportunity to get these reps with teams that he wants. There's a path. Now, I know that they're going to go with Kyler and they've got, they're going to have a strong pick next season, but there's a chance where Clayton Chin can prove himself. And I feel like I'm higher on him than other people discuss. Dan, I'll let you go first because you're on the tune train. <laughs> okay, so... I liked what I saw in the pre-draft process when I was looking into quarterbacks and every other position. When I was looking at quarterbacks, he stood out to me because there was somebody he doesn't look and go, oh, wow, that is incredible. But he does a lot of really good things and he puts it together. And like I said, he might not be the next Brock Purdy, but what do you look at Brock Purdy and go, oh, geez, okay, that jumps out and flashes at you. But combine everything together and he was able to put together a really good season. I think Clayton Tune has that sort of ability as well. And like you said, he's in a really good spot at Arizona in the sense that there's a path to playing time for him. And if he can grab that with both hands, then he could make the most of it. And I don't think we're going to see Colt McCoy <laughs> That's and that's my thing is if 
in a dynasty uh, rookie draft, if you're in like the fifth round, you're using your last pick. I think he's worth a dart. Yeah, Brad, talk us off this uh, le- this ledge that we're on. Okay, so I'm going to try and stay composed in this. Brock Purdy is good because of Kyle Shanahan. Yes, I mean if Clayton Tune was in the 49ers, it'd be a completely different exactly. story. Exactly, <laughs> and the talent and the talent around him. Because you look at running back, you've got quite possibly the best running back in the league at the moment. It's debatable, but it could be the best running back in the moment in the league at the moment with Christian McCaffrey. You look at the wide receivers, you've got Brandon Ayuk, you've got Debo, and you've got potentially one, it depends on how you rank your tight ends, you've got one of the best in George Kittle. Can you name me the wide receivers on the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, come on. You're Hollywood Brown, you got little Mighty Mouse. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Exactly. <laughs> no way. So, hey. so, Rondell so, Moore good, is a yeah. very good footballer. And Greg Dodge did a little bit last year. Okay. So those three guys combined might be struggling to get on a ride at a show because they have to be this high to, <laughs> to go on the ride. No, so um, this is an argument for Clayton Tune because he not, his best receiver was Nathaniel Dell, who's probably the smallest they, player yeah, in existence. They, you and just walked he, into that, Brad. And he was... Awesome. And so just to a side note here, we we watch our college football on KO in Australia here. For whatever reason, last season, we got a shitload of Houston games. And I watched a lot of Clayton Chin and Nathaniel Dell. And I remember saying in pre-draft, I was like, I know Dell's small, but man, he's such he's so good. He's such a good route runner. And I think that that pairing of Clayton Chin and Hollywood Brown might be something special. Just might be. <laughs> Was the receivers on Houston were they all five foot seven or shorter? No, of course not. <laughs> no, so that's the thing. It's okay to have one. I don't know if you can have multiple. But at the end of the day, too, like yes, you've got a Trey McBride and you've got you've still got Zach Ertz on the team. But I think it's just the talent level isn't there for the rest of the team, the offensive line. The talent isn't there. Like, okay. So I look at Clayton Tune as maybe at at best I have his ceiling as not good and uh, too good to be a backup, not good enough to be a starter. He's in that in between for me. Of course, of course, and I'm not saying that he'll be a starter, but no. you've, you've spiraled me into a week one bold prediction, Bradley. <laughs> that's that's so that's but that's my <laughs> like that's for me is. Okay, if he does everything really well and he hits on everything, he's going to be a guy who, okay, Dan, this week we've got a quarter, the quarterback out. He can go in for the one game, but that's as much as we want to do because after that, it's it tails off. So I think he's going to be, I guess maybe you call him the modern-day Chase Daniel. Mm, I'm happy with that. But I don't know if that really means that he's good. Okay. Or as as Dan was saying... And I thought I was having a little bit of a chuckle because I thought he was going to stop his sentence where he goes, he doesn't do a lot of things great. No, I just thought he was <laughs> no. going to stop. <laughs> that's what I thought. Because that's what my mine would have been. He doesn't do a lot of things great. And that's, <laughs> his, and that's it. But yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think there's a reason why he went where he did in the draft. And it wasn't necessarily because of talent or anything like that. I think it was just a, a necessity and... Uh, like I said, I could be wrong, but I just don't see it. Yeah, for sure. And look, coming out of high school, like he, he it wasn't this like five star recruit. Amazing. He did play really, really well in Houston, though. Um, right now, would you rather have on your fantasy team? Would you rather have Clayton Tune or Kyle Trask? Is there an option three? <laughs> no, this is the point of the show. We're going deep, buddy. We're going real deep. The the only reason I'm going to say this guy's name is, oh God, I feel dirty saying either of them. <laughs> it's but um, you're not saying you like them. You're just saying you would rather have. Nah, I, I guess <laughs> I guess it would be I guess it would be uh, Clayton Tune for the pure fact that Kyle Trask has been pretty much told that he'll be the backup, and also there was times last season where the like especially like week 18 the bucks didn't play mike well they didn't play tom brady or whatever and instead of going with kyle trask to go let's see what we've got in this guy they mm. went now we're going to throw out 30 year old 32 year old blaine gabbert however old he is and that was there so to me that's enough of a 
yeah, a, a, enough of a sign from the Buccaneers to say what they think of Kyle Trask. Yeah, if you're a second round pick and you've been in the same, the same team that drafted you, you're a second round pick, you're sitting behind Tom Brady and he finally retires and that team brings in Baker Mayfield and you're in a competition with Baker Mayfield, you're not seeing much of the field because they've shown you what they think of you. Because if they thought much of Kyle Trask, they wouldn't have brought in Baker Mayfield to compete with him. And also, it must be noted that when you try and type in your phone, Kyle Trask autocorrects already. It corrects it to trash. <laughs> so, so that's I don't know about that. It's just one of those funny things that you sit there and you go, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the phones know. Maybe the phones know. <laughs> it's incredibly foreboding. Okay, last one, real quick, because we're spending way too much time on fifth round rookie quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, Clayton Tune or Carson Wentz. Tune just because he's on a team. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Clayton Tune's got a chance to start at least. But I don't think Carson Wentz has that. Brad, give me your uh, your quarterback that you feel like you're higher on than generally other people. Um, Anthony Richardson. Oh, you must be very high then because he's getting pumped up. Yeah, I mean, I um, I was looking when I got my rankings. I must admit, I looked at the the fantasy pros rankings. Now that might have been redraft that they had them in, but on on fantasy pros, Anthony Richardson was sitting at QB eighteen on their rankings. That that's got to be that was redraft in a redraft. I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking at the dynasty rankings. He's twelve, which I actually got to say that's not as high as I thought he was. Well, I'm I'm think I actually think he could be a top top eight or nine quarterback this year. Right and this ahead year? of him, ju- just ahead of him is Kyler Murray, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields. I would take him over everyone but Fields. Yeah, I think I would too. And I'm not even a high Richardson guy. Because I love the Andy thing is Richardson, and the thing is, you're looking at the rushing upside. Exactly. That's like that's my point. Wise, yeah, he doesn't need to be an elite passer for fantasy-wise. Look at Justin Fields. Like Justin Fields has, from where he was in college to where he is now as a passer, it's night and day and not in a good way. And a lot of that's because of what the Bears have surrounded him with to start his career. But then you look at the rushing upside and the rushing stats that he's putting up, and he's an elite quarterback for fantasy. Anthony Richardson, I think, has that same capability. And they'll use him a lot at the goal line as well. And Daniel Daniel Jones last year, he was like what a top twelve quarterback last year in fantasy. He threw fifteen touchdowns for the season. Yeah, mm. yeah. it was the fact that he ran for about eight or nine hundred yards, which was the, which is at at the end of the day, the way that fantasy's played. Some people don't like it, but at the end of the day, if you are a running quarterback, it's a cheat code, and you don't actually have to be a good passer. Anthony Richardson, I do believe, is a good passer. I just think that the talent that he was working with at college was what it didn't really show out for him. And yes, everyone's a little bit worried because he didn't have as many starts in his college career as what other quarterbacks do. But I think he could be in that discussion of, you know, if he has a year that I'm hoping he does, because I really like him as a, um, as a prospect, as I said to you guys on the draft show, I was a little uh, sad when, the Panthers did trade up to number one because I was sort of hoping that they might have been able to get Anthony Richardson as the mm. quarterback, but I also would have taken Anthony Richardson number one just because that's how much I liked him as a prospect. But he could be one of those guys that come next year, you go into your fantasy drafts, and especially if you're in a super flex league or something like that in a startup, and you have your Mahomes, Burrow, Hertz, Fields, Anthony Richardson is one of those top six, seven quarterbacks. <laughs> just, get... just like uh, just quietly, casually putting him in there. Did you say that you would you in real real football, real Carolina Panthers football, you would you would have taken Anthony Richardson one over Bryce Young? Yeah, that's huge. Because my thought is so Bryce Bryce Young and and don't don't be mad at me, Panthers fans. I love Bryce Young. I think. <sighs> Brad's a, floor... Brad's a Panthers fan, just quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so you're allowed to criticise your own team. <laughs> so to me, Bryce Young is the highest floor quarterback early on. Like he's got the most, like just in his preparation, everyone always said that, you know, the, the Alabama coaches were saying that they would send their film out. And by the time they came in on Monday, 
Bryce Young had already jotted down, hey, this is what this is where we could have improved. This is what I did. This is the read that I made, blah, blah, blah. He knew and he was already on to the next team. CJ Stroud, to me, is the best passer of those quarterbacks that went in just accuracy-wise and quarterback play. He just seemed to have it. But to me, Anthony Richardson has that highest floor where he could go and and lower ceiling potentially where he could be one of those guys where we look back in a couple of years and go, wow, they really whiffed on picking Anthony Richardson. It hasn't mm. worked out for him. Or everyone could sit back then a couple of years time and go, can you believe he fell to four? That's just how yeah. I see him down because he's just, there's just no one like him. I mean, he's, Bigger than Cam Newton, or just as big as Cam Newton, sort of thing. He's 240, 250 pounds, but ran a 444 mm. 40, which, yeah, you know, Cam, Cam Newton was one of the best, if like, you know, one of the best, most physical running quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And he was about 0.2 of a second slower in his 40 than yeah 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 and i think with i think with richardson as well is if he has the right coaching around him then the sky's the limit because of those uh traits as well the athletic traits and uh, yeah you look at who his coach is and you look where he came from and what he did with jalen hurts i was just gonna say i'm, I'm very excited to see shane steichen it's gonna be uh, this this uh shane steichen versus jonathan gannon uh little coach off i'm excited to see how it turns oh, out no contest, my God. <laughs> one is Jonathan Gannon at the moment. I, yeah. <laughs> one is a really good offensive coordinator and the other one's going to be known forever as the guy who went, shots, pew, 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 explosives. <laughs> I think Jonathan Gannon could be one and done. No, I think, I, I think that they'll give him a lot more rope than what Shane Steichen will get. Like, think about it. If Anthony Richardson bombs in the first two years, Shane Steichen's gone, but Jonathan Gannon, he could still be there in three years because they might only just be onto their, like, first rookie quarterback or, you know, whatever, um, wherever they feel like Kyler is playing at a, at a good level. Gannon, Gannon has the built-in excuse, mm. and it's 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 not, like, it's just the way football works. He's got the built-in excuse of, my guys that I've picked on this team start with Paris Johnson. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's not my guy. Yeah. Steichen, Shane Steichen and Chris Ballard have, this is our guy. Yeah. And that's where it can sort of generally, if they, if they bottom out and they go, oh, and 17 this year, a the Cardinals will be stoked because they'll either have the first pick in the draft and take Caleb Williams, or they'll get an absolute King's ransom for that pick. A lot more than what the Bears got from the Panthers, from Panthers moving up from nine to one, or like you know they'll, they'll be able to do that, and then he can sort of go, well, we've got to give the guy a chance to pick his players. He didn't mm. have that chance, so that's where, as much as you know, I'm not sure whether Gannon is a good coach because we're not sure, mm. but he probably does have that little bit of a longer leash because he's starting year one with everyone but his own players, so that's like a built-in. Maybe excuse isn't the word, but it's a built-in um, safety net. Yeah. Safety net, yeah. Exactly. And not to mention uh, Monty Ossenfort, first year as general manager for the Cardinals, whereas you think about the Colts. I mean, Chris Ballard, like, this could all fall apart for him as well. They've mm. got Jim Ursay overlooking yeah. them <laughs> as the ma the master puppeteer. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting to watch a play yeah, out. It'll be interesting. Okay, Brad, right now, Clayton Tune or Anthony Richardson? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's stumped. <laughs> I would take Anthony Richardson if he had two broken legs. I would still take Anthony Richardson out on that field with two broken legs ahead of Clayton Tune. Even though Clayton Tune has the better passer rating in that situation. <laughs> I'd take I'd take him. I'm making with, an assumption. I I'd take no him. With, <laughs> I'd, I'd take Anthony Richardson with two broken legs and two broken arms, and he's got a headbutt the ball for his passing. I'd still <laughs> oh, take no. him with He's probably talented enough to do it as well. Yeah, probably. That's <laughs> well, one of those quarterbacks is going to be starting week one, Brad. Yeah, and my bold prediction is it'll be <laughs> okay. Dan, bring yeah. us home. We're we're gone. We're way over time, so this is it. We're going to do quarterbacks. We're not going to do any other skill position. 
We'll do. Um, we'll get your play quarterback that you're higher on, and then we'll do. We'll see how quickly we can get through lower on, and then we'll we'll right. close it out. So, like like Brad, I was on Fantasy Pros rankings as well. Their consensus rankings, and they've got Tua under Dynasty at quarterback fourteen, mm. which sandwich right right between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud is Tua yeah. Tonga Valoa. Yeah. And I can part of me understands why because I think that's got the injuries baked into that. But man, when we saw him healthy on the field in the first year with McDaniel and then with Tyreek going nuts as well and Jalen Waddle, two was what top six, top seven quarterback. So yeah. quarterback fourteen, I'm a lot higher on two than that. I yeah. think he's easily top ten quarterback capability as long as he's healthy, which we can't pick injuries we've got to assume everyone stays healthy and work from there i think two is a top 10 quarterback for fantasy this year and i feel like if you're um if unless you're talking about matthew stafford it's really hard to just apply injury like constant injuries to players or associate them like i don't like to associate players with injuries unless it's like will fuller matthew stafford types where you know that they have those sort of like ongoing um either the soft tissue injuries or stafford's case yeah. back injuries I will say, though, looking at the rankings, 14 sounds low for me, but if you look at everyone above him, it's sort of like, yeah, I think I would actually rather have most, if not all, of the players who are ranked above above him. Um, sort of maybe from like 11 on where they got Kyler, Dak, Deshaun, Watson, uh, Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and sort of goes up from there, obviously. So, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it sounds low and he's being awesome, but who, like, are you taking, so Dak or Tua? Dak. I'm I'm taking Dak. I'm taking Tua. Yeah, I, like see, I, I'm I'd be completely fine with that as well, because Dak, I think Dak's 29. Where, where Dak stands, we saw his best fantasy season so far when he was running the ball a lot and picking up those touchdowns to boost his numbers. We haven't seen that for two or three years now, and I don't mm. think we're going to see it a lot moving forward either with his injuries. My my. I'm going to push back on you on that little bit because Dak has an offensive line to a dozen. Like they, yes, they've bought in Teron Armstead and, you know, they, but they're constantly looking for this offensive line to try and protect Tua. And Teron Armstead, when healthy, can be one of the better uh, right tackles in the game, but he's just, he's 33. He's quite injured. You look at the you look at the Dallas offensive line, and I know that once again talking out of both sides of my mouth because they can have some injuries on their offensive line with Tyron Tyron Smith, but I just think the rest of that offensive line is and that offense is maybe not the offense as a whole, but that offensive line is what keeps Dak upright more, and maybe it is just because it's the injuries that I have in my mind that's baked into why. I'm a little bit lower on tour because like you said, when he's healthy, he played really well, but it's just the fact that there was talk that, you know, he might be retiring this season, like in the off season, it was, it wasn't ended up, you know, he's playing, but it's still, Mm. that's enough for me to go. If there's talk coming out that he might be retiring, I will let someone else take tour. Is that talk for the sake of talk or is that? No, I think just from listening from other people on other podcasts and, you know, just reading little things, I don't think that was as, um, like, just talk. I think that might have been a little bit more real than what some people might think. Yeah, that's fair. Let's say, uh, I I know what you mean. It sort of seems like he's down to his last life, in a sense, um, of of nine lives. I just think, like... If you if you were to consider that he is never going to have a uh, concussion again, then like yeah, the, like I think he's got a really 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 high ceiling, especially with the receivers and the team around him. And Mike McDaniel, I think, will do a lot of ingenious things. The problem for Dak is he's now that Kellen Moore's out the building. It's uh, is it the Mike McCarthy show? Yep. But on the flip side for Dak, you know, like that um, stretch, was it the 2021 season, the first sort of like six weeks or between week two and week six where Dak was going off week after week, building on on his passing passing yards. He he set set career highs for about four weeks in a row. And I think the last one ended up being nearly like 500 yards or something ridiculous. Yeah. And again, the game against the, that game against the Falcons is burned into my brain. Yeah. Yeah, not just because it's, of the uh, the <laughs> onside kick, 
but like Dak was lighting them up. City Lamb was yeah. playing well. They've got Brandon Cooks now. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know exactly. Gallup, yeah, Tony Pollard. It's you know the, the um like I said, it's just to me, it's just the and maybe like we said, it is the the injuries that's baked in. But yeah, that's uh that's that just leaves me enough for someone to go look. I'll leave Tua to someone else, and if he ends up being quarterback one for the season, well, congratulations to that person. But I'm not taking him. Yeah. Now, fair enough. That sounds good. I like what you're saying. Let's see if we can maybe power through this last bit. Let's go quarterbacks that we are not so high on. Um, if you had anyone in particular, for me, like I, I, I like to give every quarterback a chance. Um, one quarterback that I just feel like I'm completely out on altogether is Trey Lance. I just um, there's just no part of me that has seen his quarter of football over the last two years that really wants any part of it. Um, even if he goes to a new team, yeah, it's just, it's not the, the kind of start to a career that you want to see. Um, and if I had him, I'd be trying to move him as quickly as possible. Yeah. I'm out on Trey Lance as well. Uh, there was one stat that they, I remember seeing when uh, I think they said it before the start of last season, he threw in his whole college career, he threw as many passes as what Trevor Lawrence did in his first year at Clemson. Yeah. yeah. So I just, yeah. And also, too, if if there's talk now that he is potentially, it's Brock Purdy's job to lose. And if Brock Purdy loses his job, it's to Sam Darnold, his second choice. Yeah, who I saw in a headline today from, I think it was Roto World or NBC, is uh, Darnold's moved ahead of him in sort mm. of like, the, I guess, of, of the day. I know, I know we've only seen, what, three and a half games from Trey Lance, but that's what we've seen. So what have the 49ers seen behind closed doors that is making them hesitant enough that they had to go and get Sam Darnold this offseason. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, go. I can understand bringing in Sam Darnold, even if you did believe in Trey Lance because of his injury history and then Brock Purdy also having the injury as well. I don't think they were, at that point in time, I don't think they were sure where Brock Purdy was going to be come start of the season. So I can see why they would have brought in Sam Darnold. I mean, Sam Darnold of all people, but I think I was in on Trey Lance still just to stash on my roster, just yeah. hold him until you hopefully see him be able to have that opportunity to be a starter and what he can do. I think the fact that he's now looking like he's behind Sam Darnold, that's just massive red flags now. And even if you're just stashing Trey Lance on your roster, you can't feel good about it. Is anyone else a little bit excited about Sam Darnold and Kyle Shanahan? Sure. No? <laughs> Are you sure? Um, like... Like, see what he's well, done with Nick Mullins. And well, the thing is, yeah, that's, that's Brock the thing. Birdie, like, imagine what he could do with Sam Darnold. Depends on, I guess, depends on whether Sam Darnold is, and we haven't really seen it yet, but is Sam Darnold the quarterback who, because it honestly feels like with every quarterback that's been successful in that Kyle Shanahan system is the type of quarterback where, and we saw it last season, where Kyle Shanahan sits there and he goes to him, right, on third and six. We're running this this seven yard um, comebacker to Brandon Ayuk. He gets on this step. You let go of the ball, and we saw a couple times last year that that play was made even when it shouldn't have been. And you know the quarterback does exactly what Kyle Shanahan says. Will Sam Darnold be that type of quarterback who does what Kyle Shanahan says? That's the thing I'm just curious about. Um, yeah, I just and you know. Even Jameson Williams, for me, is starting to venture into this area of like, okay, you missed your, most of your entire rookie season and now you're going to miss the first few games. I mean, I'm sure it's not going to be the same and I'm sure I'm going to love Jameson Williams once he actually starts playing. It's just that that start to the career just always, it yeah it worries me. But your reaction, Brad, that was that was perfect. It's like, are you excited about Sam Donald? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I went through Why the not? Sam Donald experience. <laughs> oh, you did, yeah. Seasons, Went so. through the entire roller coaster of Sam Darnold when he was then <laughs> rushing touchdowns galore to start at Carolina and then the massive drop off. So and then he's the seen injury, it all. Then. And then the nearly getting the Panthers into the playoffs last year. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I've been through it all. Brad, give me your uh, quarterback you feel like you're a bit low on. So I, now this is probably once again a. Maybe I saw it because I looked at the, I realize now that, yeah, I, I looked at the redraft rankings, but um, I have been seeing a lot of hype for this guy and Dan knows him also well. I am way down on Aaron Rodgers this year. Ah, yeah. 
I just this is probably this is the worst offensive line he's been behind. Like if, if you look at their guards, they got Lake and Tomlinson, you know, good guard. I wouldn't call him upper echelon, but he's a good guard. Elijah Vera Tucker, I really like. And then their center is either Connor McGovern or Joe Tipman, who they drafted this year. So they got they got some nice parts on the interior. The problem is the tackles. You've got 40-year-old Dwayne Brown. Who's hey, man, the shoulder I like Dwayne Brown. I mean, I like Dwayne Brown when he was probably 30, legend? not 40. He's had a great career at Seattle. Yeah, I, I liked him maybe when he was 30 and not 40 that he is yeah. now. <laughs> You've got him coming off a long-term injury. Makai Becton is playing at right tackle, who did not play last year, broke his kneecap, and now they're reporting like a real win for them is the fact that Makai Becton's lost about 20, 30 pounds. Like that's probably not mm. something that you're happy with, you know, your tackle, who was supposed to be your franchise guy, who really played. Then uh, that was just as one on the offensive line. And Rogers isn't as fleet of foot as he once was. We all know that as the quarterbacks get older, they, they lose their elusiveness or their ability to do it but yeah I just I think the Jets could be good I you know I just I just worry about that offensive line because like I said Becton hasn't been healthy Dwayne Brown's not been healthy now properly for a couple of years so and then last year when they moved Elijah Vera Tucker who's a really good guard they moved him out to tackle he got injured last year so it's just it's just one of those things with that that I I worry about that offensive line and with you know, we always say that quarterbacks, they don't slowly reach that cliff and then come on a downhill of their career. They get to the top and then they just, and they plummet. Mm. And it, so it's not exactly the uh, silver service that roll, uh, Tom Brady was rolled out in Tampa when he arrived. Yeah. Yeah, I just think like, you know, you looked at the, um, the, the Packers every single year managed to pick up these guys who are undrafted free agent guards or tackles who then turn into all pros or just <laughs> the, the, the jets just don't have that and mm. that's why i'm yeah i'm just down on on the jets because of that and that's probably yeah, their Rogers. yeah that's their biggest glaring weakness on that side so and we've seen when rogers rogers was at the packers even when our offensive line was really good there were moments where it collapsed and the matter so I can see I can understand the massive concerns you've got there with him. Again, I Rogers with a chip on his shoulder is a different kind of beast. It's whether he can stay upright and have that much enough time. Yeah. In a dynasty format, Clayton Tune or Aaron Rodgers. Oh, here we go. We've got him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take Rogers. Good oh. well said. I, I, I know it's because you just don't want that clips on the internet. Fair enough. All right, let's bring it home, Dan. Uh, who am I not as high on? Uh, I had so much trouble with this because, like you said, when we're talking about tour with the people in front of him, you look at the way the rankings are and the draft, uh, ADP is, it's hard to shuffle people around. And, mm. like, you look at it and you look at Kirk Cousins and he's, what was he, I'll have a quick look. He was down at quarterback 17 yeah. on Fantasy Pros for Dynasty. I have him higher than that, but, like, age-wise, he's pushing down. So you can't drop him down any further than there. You can't drop Jared Goff down any further. Daniel Jones at QB 16. If anything, he's, you'd imagine he's going up from there. Another season with Brian DeBowl. From where I've got it, I think... Could be Gino if he drops, like if he doesn't have as good a season as he did last year. Not my guy. I know, I'm sorry. But like everything went right for him last year, it seemed, and it just came from nowhere. Can he repeat that and do it all over again? Or does yes, he go yeah. back to what he has been for pretty much most of his career? But see, I think you need to throw out his careers to date so far because he got drafted by the Jets, who were an absolute schmozzle at the time. And then he's moved on to a different team and been a backup. He's moved on and he spent, what, the last three years, four years with the, the Seahawks. He is in a situation. It worked for him. He's got that. I think part of the reason why his play fell off last towards the end of last season was a lot to do with the rookie tackles in uh, Charles Cross and uh, Abraham Lucas. 
I think that that sort of had a little bit to do with it. But Gino actually played well. Gino was like QB five or six last. He finished QB six on the year. I yeah. thought it was incredible. Yeah, I, I look. He he might fall down for that. But if I'm looking at that list, John, can you read that list again from about QB ten? If you still got it up. So ahead of Gino is like Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, and then you get into where I was talking before: is CJ Stroud, Tua. Bryce Young, Richardson, Kyler Murray, Dak, Deshaun, Watson, Justin Fields, yeah. So to me, the guy out of that, the the main one that I would move out out of over all of them is Deshaun Watson. I we Deshaun, yeah, he missed the first eight games of the season last year. Or first eleven games of the season, I mean. Um, but to me, he was not like you know, he had a year off, you know, nearly mm. 18, like a year and a half off. Deshaun's the guy for me who I would move down out of all of them, but I would have Gino above a, a fair chunk of those guys that are on that that list. Like, I can understand, Dan, why you, you know, like you said, it, it was a one-year thing. Is that just a one-year wonder or is he actually going to be like that moving forward? Yeah. But, In a yeah, dynasty so, format, you can see it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I think... The, the fact that they re-signed him and to the contract that they re-signed him to, which was absolutely like, it was a great contract that they yeah. re-signed him to. But yeah, I, I, I like Gino. I think he'll do well this year. Oh, I love Gino. I, I, can, I, I can understand I can understand your thought as to why, but to me, like QB 16 that he's ranked, I would take him, I'd take him over to a, over to a, that's a big goal. Wow. I was just a good, we're trying to end the show, not create a new show. I was no, going to say. Cause like I said, I keep coming back to the tour injury thing. Like if, yeah. And, and I know it's, it's really hard to predict injuries and things like that. And we don't like doing it, but if tour to me in week one, if tour gets a concussion in week one or a head knock, I like that could be his career. Oh, it changes the entire season. Yeah. yeah. And I know that, I know that tour has got uh, maybe, like better weapons, because I think as a as a tandem, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle is a better tandem than Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And even, John, even as a Seahawks fan, I think you can admit that too that you would probably have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle over Tyler Lockett and, <laughs> um, and yeah, DK. Um, if I'm taking my fan hat off, then for sure, yeah, of course. But yeah. if I put my fan hat on, I'm I'm perfectly happy. You just I think like, your I, players in there with them, and you go, "Well, there you go." See, yeah. But I think I, I like for me personally, a lot of it comes down to a lot of this can come back down to, I guess, real football talk, and I like yeah. the offensive line of the Seattle Seahawks a lot better than what I like the offensive line of the Miami Dolphins. So therefore, Gino would get a a, a bump up, I guess, for me a, a, over someone like Tua. Yeah, I mean, the thing to, to Dan's point, like. Gino could play well this coming season and the Seahawks could still move on from him because the contract mm. is so flexible. So I know I'm, I, 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 this is a conversation for another pod because I do love G- Gino this year, but looking beyond that as well, I'm not sure what the path is forward for him. And he's mentioned that he wants to retire as Seahawks. So um, yeah, I, like, I think it's, I think it's a, a good call. I think that there's players below him that I probably would rather have in a dynasty format. Like I'd rather have, Kenny Pickett, who's uh, a spot below him. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you Brad, in that You regard. spoke about Deshaun Watson before. Mm. His drop-off in play, I know he missed so much time with everything that went on, and I won't get into it because we could we don't need to. send it to, yeah, absolute chaos pretty quick. <laughs> but when he came back, his play was nothing like what it was that we expect from him. Do we think that's going to continue or having a full off season now in that system, having everything, I guess, not so much behind him, but I think now the focus is more for him, more on football. Yeah, I don't know what I to mean, expect from him still. With and, that's, and, maybe, that season. and maybe that's, maybe that's for me why, like I, I have him bumped down that little bit. Like I have to Sean, I'd have him bumped down a little bit more because I just don't know what's going to happen. And there was the, the conversations that he, you know, that they had at the end of last season where he's made comments to the media that he was going to sit down with Kevin Stefanski and have a man's conversation about how he wanted the offense to be changed because he wanted it to suit him more, which, you know, that's all well and good. And you could, you could do that if you're Kevin Stefanski, but his ethos and his background is run to set up the pass type of thing. 
will that work if you try and change that and try and bring a guy like Nick Chubb, who is, like we said, one like, well, like I think maybe one of the top three or four running backs in the league, mm. just as pure yeah. runner, is is it worth hurting your team that much by not giving the ball to a guy like that to try and make Deshaun happy? Yeah. Or will it just start off as like to me like the um the last the best season that Russell Wilson seemed to have to start with the last of the let Russ cook season where it was right let's let Russell Wilson in Seattle do everything the way he wants throw the ball a, a crap ton do what he wants as soon as he started turning the ball over Pete Carroll went no nah, enough of that we're back to running the ball we'll run do it 7000 yeah. times in a game we'll run it we'll, they'll have an 11 man box i'll have every single person up at the line and i'll still run that damn ball because that's what i want to do <laughs> will stefanski end up reverting back to that if deshaun comes out in the first 2 3 weeks and he's three touchdowns seven interceptions if that happens, I, I think going, I'm back to Nick Chubb. I'm just pounding the ball with Nick Chubb and then we're moving forward like this. I think Deshaun Watson has the biggest variance as far as where his outcome can be for this mm. season, especially. But moving forward as well, I think the variance for where he can finish as a season goes is probably as big as it comes from any of the quarterbacks, to be honest. And here you go, John. I, I will I will answer this for you. I would pick Clayton Tune over to Sean Watson just because <laughs> the I know I know like football wise, Deshaun Watson is the far better player, but just with everything that's happened the last couple of years, I will not touch Deshaun Watson with a ten foot pole pole, no matter what the scenario is. And people can be annoyed at me for that if they want to, and that's fine. But in for me, in terms of fantasy, I will not touch him at all. And I would take Clayton Tune over to Sean Watson. That's yeah. my one. I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm exactly with you. Like I'm I'm massive on post-hype sleepers. I love when everyone gets excited about someone and then they don't pan out. And so the crowd sort of then moves on to someone else and gets all excited. Meanwhile, like while the I let the dust settle, and then that's when I love to screw people up. So like I'm I think I'm probably a bit higher on Russell Wilson this year than uh, a few people because I think he will probably bounce back. Yeah, I mean, he has to bounce back to something. Yeah, I was going to say, be better than last year. Was last year, so yeah. Um, Deshaun Watson was the same. You know, it's such a shame because, like, he led me to my, one of my first dynasty championships, Kim and Justin Herbert. And then, it, uh, yeah, as soon as all of that started happening, it was like, okay, I got to get him off my team, and I did. Um, who I'm, who have been able to turn into CJ Stroud now a few years later so which i'm happy about but yeah i'm I'm completely with you like i think uh i think watson will have a a, a good season i think it'll be better than what, it's the same thing russell wilson anything would be better than what we saw last year it was that bad yeah but do you trust it and want it on your roster no well nah but yeah <laughs> uh, i don't know we'll see we'll see ask, ask me again in july or august <laughs> all right yeah, I, think let's... Come, I think come august yeah. Moving into September, then we'll get a good gauge of it. For sure. Let's uh, close out the show. There's going to be a lot more episodes to come between now and August, which I'm excited for. Um, and then you'll hear a lot more of us on various other shows. Dan, you've got a show running that's going to come up. And Brad, you've got a show running as well. So this is just sort of the first sort of like nice little teaser tester. But Dan, you want to close out the show by um, promoting an awesome charity uh, bowl that we that you've put together that that you're getting people involved in. Yeah, basically, it's this type of like this time of year where you're looking at all the big charity leagues around everywhere on fantasy Twitter, and obviously there's a Scott Fish Bowl, and I'm involved in a, a couple other ones as well, the Warrior Bowl and the JTT Cup, and I've been involved with them for a couple of years now, and it's just the amount of good that it does for the whole community, and it I've met some of the best people on Twitter through these charity events like charity leagues and i just there's not that many there may only be one other one that'll run this year i think based in australia for australia charities and i just felt there was a void there that we could fill and it was something i thought about last year but i just didn't have the time to commit to it and i thought what better time to do it now obviously we're starting our podcasts what better time to try and do as much good as we can for a charity league. And so I thought I was thinking about what sort of charity I'd want to run it for. And for me, mental health awareness 
is massive. And I think for so many people, it is as well. So it was an easy decision to say, okay, mental health charities for me is the one I'm going to go with. And I decided Beyond Blue and Black Dog Institute. And they're two different like charities, the way they go about it, but they do amazing work. Yeah, just like, I don't know, like you got a lot of people, obviously you won't see the, the behind the scenes sort of thing, but Dan and I have been spending like we said, it's maybe not quite even a week. It's not even been a week yet, but we've been spending pretty much every night since we've been going back and forth and a lot of DMs to each other trying to sort out, like, what should we do in this situation? What should we do in this? And it's all come from the brainchild of, like, Dan. Like, he's he's come up with this. And he, he reached out to me and said, like, you know, what what do you think about this? Do you think we should do something like this? And as soon as he said yes, I was like, right, let's jump on board. Let's... Uh, we're, like I said, we're not doing this to try and get people to say, oh, you guys are amazing or anything. It's it's not that at all. Like it's it, like I jumped on board because, you know, I've got a personal story with a friend who I, who I lost uh, years ago with something like this. And I've always been trying to raise money and do certain things for like mental health charities and things like that. So as soon as Dan brought that up, I was like, yeah, cool let's 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 get involved in this and let's do it and then as i said to him like i'm I, i'd like to try and you know pump it through on on our podcast that we're doing to try and get that out there a little bit more and i think we said to we said to each other when we started mapping this out and how we wanted to do leagues and things like that we went if we can fill a league two leagues for the first year yeah, it's not a like a whole heap of money or anything like that, but it, it's a start. Like if we could get the two leagues, we'd be we'd be stoked. If we could get to that, that was our goal. And then yeah, now as of now, we're sort of up to close to around fifty people who are who are in already, and that's not including you know us at all. So the the whole point of this is to try and raise some money. And we couldn't pick a specific charity. We wanted it to go to both. So that's why we set it up this way. We're going to have a, um, there'll be more details to come, but everything's going to be PayPal to an account. So then we can split this evenly because it's two worthy charities that we couldn't really uh, decide which one deserved it more because they both do fantastic work. And we'd both like, we'd like both of them to, to benefit from this. It is the True Blue NFL Charity Bowl. If you want to get involved, yes, as Brad was saying, speak to Dan. You can follow Dan on Twitter at beard underscore 82. You can follow Brad Bolt on Twitter as well. You can at, at Brad Bolt one, of course, and you can follow me on Twitter as well at John Lloyd Roberts. Guys, this is it, NFL Lab. Oh, and don't forget to follow the NFL Lab on Twitter as well. NFL Lab Network, episode one, done and dusted. Thank you for listening to the Saturday Air Raid. I'm so glad that it could be with two amazing friends that I've made through Twitter and, and the fantasy community here in Australia. I'm glad you've uh, come along for the ride. We're going to have more shows coming uh, to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Saturday Air Raid. It's been a pleasure. We'll catch you next week.